Hey guys, Dane here with the Dark Room Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with my buddies Anders Bill and Theo Chapman. You may know them as the co-founders of Dark Room. They also helped start the Dark Room Podcast, and this is our six-month podcast anniversary, so we felt it was a good time to kind of have a roundtable discussion about Dark Room and about the industry and about you know being a creative in 2019, and we jump into some cool topics about the future of creative and even you know optimizing personal growth as a creator and, and personal branding and treating yourself as a brand and a business. We talk about growing collectively as a creative community. Man, we really talk about so much and bounce around. So it, it's a fun conversation and it's really cool to, to get to hear their full story because at the end of the day, like I met these dudes because of Darkroom and because I was selling prints through their service and they moved to LA and I reached out to them. We got a cup of coffee. We started talking and, and you know, that is how you hear my voice now. So we talk about that story too. If you guys like this episode, please let us know and we will try to have more of them and maybe even more roundtable type discussions with, with, you know, more than just one guest. So yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited for you to hear this. So without further ado, here is a conversation with the dudes behind Darkroom. Welcome to the Darkroom Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Darkroom. Okay, if you guys haven't noticed, when I start the podcast, what like what do I say when I start it? I say, hey guys. Dane here with Dane the Darkroom Dark Dark Podcast. Podcast. So it's only fair Thank that you. you guys please introduce yourselves because you are from the Darkroom <laughs> Podcast as well. But you, uh, if you would please do it in the way that I do it now. <clears throat> Is it thanks so much for hanging out with us today? We're just hanging out with it's, each other. Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. <clears throat> so, hey guys, Theo here with the Darkroom Podcast. Hey guys, Honor's here with the Darkroom Podcast. Okay, thanks, that was good. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't have to go all the, you don't have to do the whole thing, but that beginning thing is good. Okay, so we, yeah. So then people know. Theo from the Darkroom Podcast and yeah. Anders from the Darkroom Podcast. Yes. And Dane is here from the Darkroom Podcast. So the <laughs> the three, we are we are all here right now from the Darkroom Podcast for the first time because anyone? It's, well, it's it, six months. There six you months. go. Yeah. That's some good. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> who who so thought we'd make six it? Here? Months. Yeah. You've you've recorded, I mean, we're not always together for these episodes. You've recorded episodes in your car. We haven't talked about that. We have not Alan talked Pounder about that episode. Yet. You were in your Jeep. I was in the Jeep. Yeah. In the valley. In the valley. I had no I had no other way to record. Which you guys, you gotta understand that sometimes when you have to get things done, you just have to get things done. And even if you're sitting in a Jeep right after you eat Mexican food <laughs> in, in the middle of the valley because you're too far away from the studio. No, nobody will know. You have to do it. Right. I set up the mic on the steering wheel. There's a picture. It's amazing. There's a picture. It's amazing. We'll and I did that thing where I was like, do I wanna tell people this? Do I want to tell anyone else this? But then I did, and I'm glad I did because yeah. I, you know, it. Alan, it was a good one. Yeah, it was I didn't tell him though. It was great. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are here. It has been six months, and one question that I have for you guys off the bat is, what is darkroom? <laughs> yeah. Just to give people that don't necessarily know, just like a very general idea of what darkroom is. For sure, is. for sure. I mean, it's never really talked about on the podcast, but. Darkroom is essentially a really, really easy way for any photographer, designer, illustrator to come on and launch their own print shop, their own e-commerce print shop 
uh, in a matter of minutes and we handle all the fulfillment, distribution, customer service for them. Perfect. In, in a nutshell. Yeah. And that's how I found you guys too. Or that's how we got connected. So I was doing prints on Darkroom. I think I sold one before I met you guys. Uh, but yeah, I forget. I think it was actually the first time I saw you guys was through Joe Greer's Instagram. Yeah, so he for sure. for, yeah, he held up like this massive print that you guys did for him. Was it a metallic print? Uh, it was think, one of the beginning ones. It was, ones. A, it was yeah. a styrene. It was a styrene. We yeah. had a, even a different distributor at that time. Yeah. But it was his first time he was in Boston and we met up with him. And it's just like, I mean- having those face-to-face conversations, that's part of the reason we even moved to LA. You know, it's like, let's get close to all these creators. And and actually, that's why we went out to get coffee with you. I know. And that's how the genesis of this was. I (laughs) I mean, you were buying. I I know. I was like, hey guys, uh, you're coming to LA, huh? I have some really cool spots you can go visit. (laughs) Like, what? What am I saying? Uh, But that is what is really cool about you guys too, is you guys are willing and like, you really seek out like, coffee hangs and like getting to know people in the community for sure which realizing that through this podcast and all the people we talk to like is there anything more important than networking i I mean i think for starting a company in the creative space like you want to just meet all these people right and you want to have a direct line of communication because we get texted by people like hey this is this isn't working for me or you know, there's a bug here and we're able to fix it pretty much right away, right? Like there's people that have our cell phone. Most of our artists do. I think that's been super important. And that's part of the networking side. I mean, there are people that come here for coffee and meet the pups. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean it's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. And I think just in general, just ever since the beginning, even back when we were in Boston, uh, most of our like most important ideations and just conversations that we would have is mm-hmm. when we were seeking out people uh, to grab coffee with and just brainstorm with, learn about them, learn about their story, uh, figure out how we can build a product to meet their needs. And honestly, a lot of times it wasn't even necessarily somebody that's in the creative space. It'd be mm-hmm. going and meeting up with someone that was an investment banker and just letting them know what we're doing and hearing right. hearing somebody's perspective that isn't very tapped into what we're doing because you know we're always down in the weeds. And mm-hmm. oftentimes the people we're talking to are down in the weeds too. Right. Um, so just at large in general, just talking about what you're working on is super, super beneficial. Kind of, you know, get your thoughts out, out of your brain, get them out in the air and use people as soundboards, get feedback. Yeah. So uh, what, what did the beginning of, of your guys' like talks to start Darkroom look like? <laughs> well, we, we were roommates yeah. uh, in college. and Oh my God, that room was so small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how big, my, is, how we big is that room? We were, sharing <laughs> a, we were sharing a desk and then we were also sharing a wardrobe and a closet that was maybe three feet wide. Theo's feet, if he extended them, were touching my head almost. We <laughs> so had you guys got super close. Our super desks quick. were in an L. Yeah, yeah. Or excuse me, our beds. Our beds yeah. were in an L. They yeah. were touching. Yeah, yeah. It was like you senior year, the classic. There's a place that everyone wants to live, and I don't know why that everyone wants to live there. And then you get there and you look around and you can't figure out why you just fought so hard to be there. <laughs> it was but, it was six dudes in. Maybe it's six, six, six dudes in maybe twelve hundred square feet. Oh, max, dude! Yeah. And each bedroom was tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny. And then someone would drink everyone's milk, and no one would figure out who it was. Right? <laughs> someone would fall asleep with the oven on, and Theo and I would wake up sweating. You know, because we're right above the kitchen. <laughs> oh, but God. It, it definitely helped. I mean, I was working on a, a music technology company at the time, and Theo was working on uh, a photography app, and it was. We both knew that we were in the entrepreneurial space. Yeah. Like we went to Boston College, and the entrepreneur community there is strong, but it's small, right? It's super right. tight-knit. And so 
we both knew that we kind of wanted to have our own venture coming out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was part of the genesis. Theo approached me, I think it was what, summer? Going into senior year, yeah. 2016? Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, summer 2016. Yeah. yeah. We, we knew we were going to be roommates. Um, I had been brainstorming some ideas uh, as it pertained to photography and had been meeting with some people back in Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota um, about the idea um, and it kind of pitched him on it in the summer. And this was, you know, very, very early stage ideas for, for Darkroom. And then, you know, we met up, uh, you know, when the school year started as roommates and we would just ideate and brainstorm stuff. And we did, you know, did a pitch competition, um, you know, Anders used it for one of his classes that he was in. And we just continued down this rabbit hole of researching the industry, seeing what we could find. Yeah. Um, and then kind of, mm. uh, you know, ultimately ended up... Uh, pitching Darkroom in a venture competition at our school. Mm-hmm. And we won the competition, got some cash, and we're like, all right, like, we're all in. Let's do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, It was last minute, too. I mean, yeah. we had won that competition in March, April, May, maybe in April. So we had graduated, you know, a month later and basically turned down jobs and, and were full speed. I mean, we, we had only had a small amount of money and I think, rent in Boston – we were going to be broke in about four months yeah. with the money we wanted, right? So it was like, oh, we didn't have a huge amount of runway. I remember it was the day of graduation. Everyone had stayed up, and we walked into our friend's off-campus house. He uh-huh. was a football player, and he had to stay for another year. He was a fifth-year. He redshirted his freshman year, and the school was putting up him up in this uh, in this house, and we kind of looked around, and, and there was this like little sunroom, and Theo and I kind of looked at each other with this crazy look in our eyes, and we looked back at our friend, and we're like, you know, we could probably live here, huh? Like, this is a nice spot. <laughs> There's no doors or anything. We just, we, it was he, like, we all laughed. There, there was a, they, they had previously used it to put a beer pong table in there. Like, he definitely did not think we were serious. He's yeah, laughing. Yeah. Like, and you're we, like, like, no, this, we can make the like, storage room. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think next day we drove to Home Depot. We bought folding doors, a drill, <laughs> and they, he thought we were kidding. And we had fully moved in. Yeah. Air mattresses. The room was actually smaller. Than the one that we had had at school. Yeah, um, <laughs> used a used a, um, a a tent rig. We used the the supplies from our camp tent to rig together our own little uh, our yeah. own little closet to hang our clothes on. Like <laughs> what? Yeah, it was this. Yeah, we we got maybe two and a half good months, good months <laughs> out of there. And then I think the the school found out and they were like, "This is this is not okay." Yeah, we you can't have graduated have, like, legally. We can't. Yeah, they were like, you know. You know, we were we respect the grind, the hustle. You know, it's very resourceful, but you have seventy two hours to absolutely to, get to out of vacate there. the yeah. property. Yeah, we were out pretty quick. Yeah, we we actually all moved in with my family for a month. Really? Yeah, which was pretty hilarious. They were excited. Were they cool with it? They, oh my gosh, they were oh, over the moon. No way, over the moon. Yeah. Oh, it would it, it would have been a different case at my family's house. <laughs> they would have been like, what? Yeah, and and then we moved darkroom to to Boston for a little bit, and uh huh, you were there ten months, ten months, and and then decided to to make the move to LA. So how, how did you guys stumble upon prints mm-hmm. and like giving creatives a way to make these prints accessible and easy for them yeah. to, to put out? So literally it was, okay, building a personal website, awesome, check, like a lot of options for that, a right. lot of really good options uh-huh. for that. Um, and then it moved into, okay, so you know, you got your, your personal website, you know, you put your portfolio up, you can show people the work um, you're doing, but then you kind of move into this gray area where it's like, okay, like, do I want to have my own products? If I do, what are the products going to be? How can I have my own branded, essentially physical products that I can give people? And right. 
it seemed like, you know, the, the big photographers of the world have these dope deals with, you know, big, you know, website providers and yeah. they have these awesome print shops, but it didn't seem like something that was very accessible to, to the normal photographer, mm-hmm. you know, the, the non elite level, you know, commercial photographers. And we'd look at these personal websites and, you know, they'd have a print tab and I'd say, yo, coming soon. And we check it again three months later and coming soon. And we right. check back 12 months later, <laughs> coming soon. Like, nobody could figure out how to sell prints. Yeah. And it seemed like it was like, yo, you either went and you bought a bunch of your own prints in bulk and you were just sitting on a bunch of That's prints. That's what I did. You, you don't know if you're going to sell them or not. Yep. So you got to make a financial risk doing it. Yeah. Or you pay a ridiculous subscription fee and get ridiculous pricing um, from some of these other, uh, you know, print shop providers that takes a long time to set up your site on it. The base costs are pretty ridiculous. Uh, and you got to put money up again yeah. to, just to build right. the site. And it just didn't seem fair to us. Yeah. I think to add on to that, it was like we knew that buying and selling art is going to exist for right. a long time. Yeah. Right. And in the content management space, which is where the square spaces of the world operate, it's almost been commoditized, right? Like there is almost a website builder for everything that you could imagine out there. Yeah. And we divided the market into the content management system side and then the marketplace side, right? On the content management system side, like Theo said, amazing tools, right? Squarespace is an unbelievable company. They've done a ton for creators. When it comes to e-commerce, I think they really, really fall short, right? You kind of put the onus on the artist to handle all their fulfillment and their distribution, their customer service, when the reality is, and you know this as a commercial photographer, you don't have time for that. There's right. no way, especially for a passive form of income, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't going to be the main way that people are paying rent for a lot of people. For some of our artists, it is. Yeah. But, you know, for most people, it's a nice form of income that'll help pay for that next trip, their gear. Totally. And they can't be putting in 10 to 20 hours a week to handle mm-hmm. fulfillment and that customer service and that side. So that isn't really an option for a lot of people. And then when you break it up into the marketplace side, where you have a lot of interesting companies that operate there, right? You have like the Society Sixes of the world, art.com. They, for so long, have been able to leverage the power of digital advertising against the artist, right? It's, hey, let's pay 50 cents on a dollar for Instagram, Facebook ads, whatever it might be. And then when that dollar of revenue comes in, we're going to take 40 more cents because we're entitled to that profit. And the artist is going to get 10 cents. So some artists that say they made, you know, $1,000 on Society6 over the last year, Society6 made thousands and thousands of dollars off of that, right? And oh, they, they made in excess of, if you made $1,000 on Society6, <laughs> Society6 made at least 10, 12 grand. Right? That's easy, easily. Right? That's crazy. So yeah. they'll, you'll, you'll go on and, I mean, not to, you know, not to be yeah, going to Society6 yeah, right, right, right now. That's let's not the it. point. That's not the point. But it's like you go on one of these sites and it'll say, you know, oh, you want to sell an 8 by eight by 10 print? Uh-huh. It's going to cost 15 bucks base cost. Right. Think, what do you mean? Like that cost them pennies. You know pennies, what I mean? Right? Yeah. 20 cents, 30 yeah. cents. Right. No one was getting those distributor costs, right? And it was, it almost seemed like a cartel in the sense of price fixing, right? Where yeah. the market had, you know, unanimously agreed that they were going to send these abnormally high costs to the artist and say that that is the cost and, and look at them dead in the eye and say, this is the cost of what this is. Mm-hmm. And it, it is just a big lie. And so the crazy part about the print space, and I'm glad you asked this, it's a noisy space. You know, it's been it's been noisy for a while, which seemed unattractive at first. Right. And then when we really started to dive into it, and exactly what Theo was saying, you know, we were looking at big artists that we really, really looked up to, mm-hmm. and they weren't selling their work. And that's crazy. Yeah. And, and when we started to stipulate and have those conversations, it became very clear that, that that was the problem, right? Having to manage and fulfill your own orders and then also get the profits that you deserve if you, yeah. can, if you can do that. 
and making it easy for people too. Like even for myself, I am much more confident to put out prints because of Darkroom and just because it's more accessible, right? Because it felt like years ago, a few years ago, when I first started shooting, I mean, this is before Instagram and stuff, so I didn't even, I couldn't comprehend anything because <laughs> like I didn't know where social media was going. But right. now it's so accessible for any photographer to put out work. Now to 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 have the the fan base and the and people that will purchase it is a whole different thing but just to be able to put it out instantly I feel like is going to drive creativity and it's going to drive photography For and sure. not even just photography but you guys can help out like you know artists and painters and like you know people that do graphic design and, and it just makes everything just easier which goes into this whole um you know automation like world that we're all kind of jumping into and I just feel like darkroom is the the like the cleanest and the most efficient and also the most helpful for the creators, which is the biggest deal. That's the dream. Oh, by the way, you guys, I don't work for Darkroom. Yeah. I just do the podcast. <laughs> I know Important like you're note. probably like, yeah, we yeah, we it. get it. We get it. But like, no, like I, I don't work for Darkroom. We work together right. on this podcast. I don't know why you do it. But yeah. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, like I'm being genuine and I'm coming from a standpoint of a full-time freelance photographer who relies on this for my main source of income. So like, I, I appreciate like what you guys are doing because it, it helps, you know, even just use a little bit of passive income mm. or it helps to generate some passive income, which is how freelance people live their lives for the most part. Straight up. Yeah. You know? Most of the traffic that's driven to darkroom is driven by the individual artists mm -hmm. from their social media accounts. Right. So what does that mean for the customer? We're trying to get people scrolling through Instagram to click through a link on most of the time on a mobile device and go purchase something, right? Like while they're in this, you know, Instagram bubble. Right. And that is a, a fleeting e-commerce moment. And that's difficult, right? And so we're trying to help educate artists on the best ways to sell and be more proactive. I think what we really vouch for is making Darkroom a part of your workflow, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like you shoot, you edit. And if it's that type of content that you want that has commercial value to be sold, you know, upload it to your darkroom and have subtle language. You know, it doesn't have to be pushy. It's like, hey, this work is available. And and also there's a there's a hustle to it where you shoot for clients three, four times a week. Yeah. Right. The things that you're shooting for them are so important to them now, right? Say it's their new <laughs> shoe line or it's their new coffee beans or new clothing, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, that's hyper relevant to them. We've seen artists that upsell those brands and coffee shops, whatever it might be, on on their artwork. Yeah. You know, because their employees and their customers, like they want to see that. Mm -hmm. They want to have something physical um, to take away. And it's not like it's not like you're you're pitching them on like, oh, right. like here's right. this cool print you should buy. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like I just shot this for you and you're amped about it. This is content you are so stoked to share right now. Mm -hmm. right. You just paid me to do a campaign for you mm -hmm. that we're amped on. Yeah. And then you can put up this huge canvas, like you know, yeah, like you're saying, in the coffee shop of this new line, mm -hmm. um, pretty epic. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's it's cool to be able to kind of like cross those two worlds and be like, hey, this can also like be a viable option for you guys, not just the shoot, not just the Instagram Im images, but you can put these things anywhere. Yeah, and yeah. I think also just a, a quick maybe side note, um, as it pertains to like, you know, you don't have to be like a huge commercial shooter to be selling prints. You don't have to have a ridiculous number of followers. Literally some of our, you know, top 10 sellers on Darkroom yeah. Have less than a thousand followers mm -hmm. on Instagram. Can we can we yeah. talk about um, what do you guys see with people that actually sell pretty well in darkroom and actually can you know get a good amount of passive income? Like, what's the difference between those people and the people that sell one print a year like me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, kind of what to what I was saying before, 
it's this consistency, right? So imagine we believe the the actual moment of buying art is, is very intentional. Yeah. Right? It's hey, I see this photo from Dane. I, I really connect with it. And I like it. I want to put it in my life in a physical way. But maybe I don't have that that type of income, disposable income in my life right now. Or maybe I don't have room on my wall. Yeah. But when that moment comes in my life, I want you want me to think of you and to think right. of your darkroom gallery mm-hmm. to purchase it. And that takes a constant reminder. You know, we yes. can't just imply that that customer is going to remember, you yeah. know, and jump to it. Sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes we'll get orders where someone bought a new house and they literally buy 30 pieces from an artist yeah. and they, they put their, or their office, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. But that artist, most of the time was consistently posting, Yes, you know, and, and it was proactive. And I think it, it takes this, and we we kind of face this too as being photographers and artists. There's always an insecurity with your work, mm-hmm. right? You're never sure if it's the right work to put up or if people are going to buy it and like it. But I think you have to get past that for the selling part, right? To be successful on that end, which yeah. is my work is available here. It is, and it's kind of it's a progression in your stage as an artist. <clears throat> you know, your your work is available, and, and that's a very intimate purchase. When someone buys that and it's in their house hanging. That's stipulating conversations every time someone's at your house. You know, it's like, what what is that conversation? Yeah. Is it, hey, I, I follow this person on on social media, or is mm-hmm. it, you, you know, I think that conversation is changing rapidly with our and generation. And it's like <laughs> when when someone points out a piece of you know a frame print on your wall, are you gonna be like, yeah, I, I grab that at IKEA, right? <laughs> yeah. Or do you want to be exactly. like, yo, dude, this guy Dane, like he's a shooter in LA. I've been following his work yeah, for however right. long. Like it's something that you connect with it means something to you. Yeah, well, I think... Not, not that Ikea is not super great. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I sell prints through Ikea. What are you talking about? Uh, so I think that that is perfect because trust doesn't happen overnight. The first time, let's say, a personal, like a, a freelance photographer, photographer puts out, like, hey, guys, like, I have, you know, prints for sale, da-da-da. I mean, let's be real. They're expecting to sell out that day or like sell 30 prints that day. It's not going to happen. So I like looking at it as a brand, right? So even if you're just a a solo human like Anders and Theo, like if you look at yourself like a brand, brands take months and sometimes years to get trust from their their, their fans and their followers, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have a consistent, you know, just outreach. So like you're saying, when people... Six months down the line, nine months down the line, when they're like, oh, yeah, I need a new print. Well, like, I already have this great trust, and I know that this dude or this gal is putting out prints consistently and talking about it consistently. Then that's when, you know, the sales happen. It's not going to happen that first time you post and that first time you set up the account. 100%. And right? I think this is also, you know, that's just a conversation for anything. For yeah, sure. Straight up. Yeah. And it's like talking about just business in general, like with Darkroom, yeah. like, we talk to people all the time when we're, we're, we want them to come on darkroom and it's just not the right time for them. You know, they're, yeah. you know, they're on a trip or, you know, there's something else that's really taking up their time. And, yeah. you know, Prince just isn't a focus at that point in time. And Hey, maybe they'll reach back out to us in a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, who knows when, but when it does make sense for them, then they'll come on and they'll make their shop. And in the same way, it's like, Hey, maybe I'm not going to buy the print today. Maybe I'm not going to buy it in a week or a month, but yeah, maybe one year down the line, the right moment will come and that's when they'll think. Right. And, yeah. and what I find fascinating and i think you and i theo didn't see this coming which was there's such a democratization of artistic influences and what i mean by that is you know you have you know there was the classic influencer marketing right where people were becoming Mm -hmm. massive on social media and getting hired by all these brands and then you had kind of like the micro influencer era where the roi for these brands was much higher with the actual content they were giving and now we're reaching a different level which is 
it's not even this micro-influencer, right? It's your, it's your friend or someone in your family who is an artist, <laughs> right? Everyone now has some type of artistic influence in their life. Right. And I think that's how we view Darkroom, right? Where it's, there's this democratization of artists and we want to give them every tool possible to be effective into selling into that base of people, whoever they are, no matter how big they are, where they come in the world, we want to give them those powers, especially the tools that have been leveraged against them from the marketplace side and give it to them in a very, very simple way. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, the future of creative or companies that operate in the creative industry, right? It's creator first, holding your feet to the fire and making things stupid it's, simple. It's your it's your grandma in Roxbury that figured out how to use Darkroom and literally sold her prints to her friends at her true at story. Her, wait, literally wait, at her grandma. Grandma. Honors, grandma? There there is a I mean there is a, a woman who lives in Roxbury, Massachusetts oh. that made a Darkroom account. Insane. She is I don't know her exact age, but she is old enough to be my grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sold prints to the other woman at her book club. Unreal. She has maybe 40 followers on Instagram. Amazing. Right. right. And we had to talk to her. We were we we were baffled. We we're like, how did you do it? You know, like, <laughs> what is the story? And, and it was from those offline conversations, which ironically, you know, had a much higher conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's uh, that's something that I think is going to continue to trend. Yeah. How have you guys found that that scaling darkroom? What if, what has worked better mm. than other ways? At least in the last, what you guys have been out for? You guys have been doing this for two and a half, three years two. now. Yeah, two years. Two years, two yeah. Years, and yeah. Have you guys found that, I mean, especially because in this space, right? Well, it's not full two of, years, year and a half, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's full of creatives. So mm. I feel like you guys have probably had in the past like a brutal like trial and error, right? Because you want to make <laughs> for it. For sure. <laughs> you want to make it right for everyone and it's tough, especially with with creatives. Mm. Um, have you guys found that there's like been any any better way than not to like really, you know, scale a creative business from scratch? What's been really interesting is especially within operating in this artistic community is people talk about what works and what doesn't work. Very vocal. Very, very vocal. They talk together, they go shooting together. It's like, what are you using? And because we don't spend anything on marketing, the question becomes, how do we grow? Right. And most of it's from people posting about their darkroom and they'll get DMs and it's, Hey, what is darkroom? Is this okay? You know, is this service working for you? Why is it working? And in that way, we've been able to, scale not rapidly but gradually and in a way that's very healthy from product level as well where we don't have to you know take on massive costs on the technology front and we can also iterate and keep these conversations extremely fluid and open with with our customers right and i think also just in case there's any like big startup people listen to this we are not a well-oiled machine yeah (laughs) we're not out here scaling we're not about to raise like a series c or something we no, definitely still no do way. a ton of super unscalable things yeah. to, mm-hmm. to bring people on. Um, and I think just the biggest value add for us, and we, you know, we've talked about it, we always go back to networking, but it's seriously just having conversations with people. Yeah. Like, that's how we figure out what we're going to build. Like we, we hang out on our little chat bot on our website 24 <laughs> seven. We're right. having DM conversations with people on Instagram 24 seven, just figuring out like, yo, what works, what doesn't yeah. work. What do you want us to build for you? Yeah. It's um, a moving target. Yeah. It's well, a moving target for sure. I mean like, business aside too like that i feel like that is the model for for even like freelancers like just being you know in the community and like whatever your hustle is if it's video if it's photo if it's you know writing whatever like you need to for one have time on your side 
it's a patience game. It really is. Like it's like it's truly not gonna happen overnight unless you post one photo on Instagram that just like gets a million <laughs> likes and it becomes an egg and everyone like, you know, posts it 40 million times. So the egg is famous, but that doesn't happen a lot. But what what it is, like even with my like my freelance life, which has not been happening for that long, I think I've been officially freelance, like one hundred percent officially freelance one year in April. Whoa. Yeah. It's been like eleven months, like legitimately freelance. You're booked consistently. Now, well, so I want to get into like we we can't even talk to Dane. <laughs> yeah, it, getting him, we're actually getting we're your talking. Lined up is we're not even in the same room right now. <laughs> uh, so like, but but I can attribute that to how you guys I feel like have built up Dark Room, which is for one, it's time, but it's for two, also like having conversations with a lot of different people, but mainly letting people know what you do, right? So even now, like I have a ton of work coming at me that is from people that know someone that might need something, but they know that I can do it because I've been posting about it. I use stories as a platform to like show that I do food photography and I do interiors and I do all that. Every time I post, it doesn't mean it's like, hey, this is my project for so-and-so. It's just like, hey, like this, I shoot this as well. And it's not in like a salesy way. It's like, I enjoy this photo and I want you guys to see like what these interiors look like or what this you know menu look mm. like at Pizzana or mm. you know what Candace Nelson is posting on Instagram or these different people that I shoot with. Right. So then that way down the line, it might be six months, might be a year, might be a month. Someone's like, oh yeah, I need a project done. I'm pretty sure that Dane you know, can handle this type of photography and then they reach out to me. So that can happen with anything. I feel like yeah. as long as you just show your work, just show it, show content and, and it will come back around. And also with the work that you're getting, how much of it is just trial and error and figuring out how to pitch new clients? Mm. Um, they're, Versus like referrals from people that you're already working with and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a really lucky situation right now where a lot of the work was referrals, but a lot of those referrals are continuing to come back. So a lot of my clients, I'd say 75%, I work with every month. So I have about 25% that come at me for like a one-off mm. gig, um, usually branding, right? Like usually like, you know, like Lems. Lems was a, a good example of a company that that came to me based off of uh, a client that I pitched. So I pitched to them. I said, hey, you guys, like I really love what you do. Um, I'd love to shoot with you, like however that, you know, can look. And then they looked at my stuff. They liked it. We figured out a way to collaborate. And then they came back after that first shoot and they said, you know, we want to do something with you on a more consistent basis. What, so, did, what did you send them? Did you send them like a, so that, literally a pitch deck? Like, yo, this is the kind of work I can do? Or? So I've been really interested in pitch decks recently and mainly because of this podcast, like talking to certain people like Joe they have it and like Garrett out. and yeah. like, yeah, like um, Charlotte who have, you know, yeah. pitch Jessica, decks already, does that too. Yeah. already ready to go. I didn't ever hear the word pitch deck before I heard it from, I think, Chris Poplowski. Yeah. That was the first time I heard about it. So my pitch deck was me just pitching on DM. <laughs> was, was me talking. Yeah. Was me talking, uh, DM or email. I mean, I know that there's, you know, email is a little bit better, I guess, to a little bit more professional. Mm. Um, but I don't think it hurts to send a DM, especially if you like people's work. But also, too. Your work's on your Instagram, so I mean. No, I know. Yeah. And then that way they can connect to it straight, yeah, too. Yeah, I think it's awesome, yeah. But also, like, you know, like if you if you like a company and you like, you know, what they're putting out and you think that you can you know, do some work for them. It doesn't hurt for a few months just to like kind of start nudging it a little bit and be like, hey, love this photo. Hey, love that. Kind of get on their radar. So then when you finally send something, maybe they've already looked at your stuff because you right. said hi and you said that you like their stuff. For sure. I guess the that goal, doesn't hurt. Yeah, I guess the goal for a lot of freelancers 
is to get these retainers, right? Where it's, hey, yeah. you're going to shoot for us three to six times over the next six months. Right. And that's really nice, right? There's there's some certainty in that. I think what's really interesting to watch with your progression as a commercial photographer and all the people that we've met here in LA is you're building this brand, right? And it's this brand of not being tied down to one specific type of photography, right? Yeah. You will shoot anything. And I yeah. feel like I, I look at your stories and and it's something different every day, right? It's something landscape and it's shoes and it's food. And that means you're evolving as an artist. And I think the way that we look at that internally is you and other artists have spent all this time building their brand. And we take it very seriously on our platform, which is we have to basically uphold that brand, that mm -hmm. quality, you know? And, and when it comes to actual physical products in the future we're actually selling it that's super important as well no i mean i think that's a huge conversation and like we've had that with certain people on the podcast too yeah even with joe like you know the whole don't stay in your lane and mm. like i find well for one i find that if i'm supporting myself with this like i'm gonna have to sometimes you know not shoot what i don't want to shoot but find a way for me to put my style into it. If it's something that I'm not necessarily 100%, you know, mm. uh, off the back and want to shoot. And it's, right? it's finding new ways to challenge yourself too. Yeah. And, and I'm not comparing myself to anyone who's been on this podcast or any, just really just Do any, it. Come on, any freelancers at large, but, but I will say, obviously like I love photography. We, yeah. we wouldn't have started this company if we didn't love photography. Yeah. We shoot all the time. And I felt like I hadn't really shot in a while, and one of my buddies hit me up to 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 shoot some cover art for for an album that was coming out. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, "Oh yeah. shit!" Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm about to do. Right. Yeah, um, it's and, adrenaline. Yeah, and he you know he sent me you know this list of stuff he wanted to shoot, and you know some of it I kind of felt like was in my wheelhouse. Yeah, some of it I really did not think was in my wheelhouse, but it was just an interesting new way to challenge myself. And I yeah. remember you know after shooting for this for like three or four weeks, making a ton of content for it, and thinking like, "Wow, this was so insanely refreshing. It was super challenging." Um, like help me refine like Lightroom skills plus prospect, excuse me, post processing skills. And just also like, you know, scouting different places. Like just the, the whole nine yards of it can be super, a really, really refreshing experience that kind of rekindles your fire. Yeah. And it's so important to be uncomfortable like that. Like yeah. I, that feeling, yeah. I love that feeling. And that's the only way that I've been able to grow because it teaches you to learn things that you're not going to learn unless you're put in that chair or put on that shoe or in that edit that you need to seek how the hell to get something done. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to learn. If you're just in your comfort zone and you're just shooting, you know, the same thing and that's all you shoot, like I get it, I respect it. It's a lot harder to scale like that, but like if you're just, you know, kind of flying on the seat of your pants and like uncomfortable and like embracing that uncomfort, like that's truly how you can grow the fastest and the and the longest over time. I think this is a good parallel too to like how the way in which we run Darkroom is super similar to yeah. everybody's, you know, freelance journey, like how you find work. Like uh -huh. the, the story, the journey of so many creatives that are on the Darkroom podcast is very much parallel to building your own business in the sense of Half the time when we get out of a meeting with someone, we tell them they can that we can build something for them, or we tell them that the darkroom works in a specific way on the site. We'll look at each other and go, "Oh shit, okay, how do, how are we gonna make this work?" How are we yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we'll make it. I mean, our creators have really built the majority of darkroom. That yeah, sounds a bit up. crazy, sure, but it's sure. from having all these conversations. We we document everything, right? And it's hey, twenty people have asked for this same exact thing. Something's going on here. Uh -huh. I I think it'd be really fun for us to jump into just the pressure of 
of these freelancers, right? In a in a world that's so so noisy, I feel like I'm, I'm scrolling. Oh, I feel like I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I see such similar style styling, and I can't imagine the pressure that's on a lot of these freelancers yeah. to get these gigs. They're competing, yeah. and then to get the gigs at a market price that makes sense. You know, we don't want all these freelancers to be competing to this bottom price, you know, where it's $200, $300 a shoot or whatever it might be. And here's a $50 retainer for a model. Exactly. No, it's true, man. And not getting paid on time, whatever it might be. It's it's broken. It's it's, it's really broken. Well, what's interesting too is there's a lot of photographers out there that are killing it in this freelance game, fully sustaining themselves. And you know what? They have 500 followers on Instagram or a thousand. I've worked with a dude in town his name is Mino. I think it's Mino the man. Um, he has 2,500 followers. This dude was my mentor um, back when I was shooting as his assistant. We shot Interscope artists. So we shot like Lady Gaga that's and 50 Cent. Epic. And I, I've talked about him on this podcast before. But um, so he's a great example of, dude, He's he's been shooting for 30 years. You know, like he's figured it out. He's fully sustained his family's life with his photography and and his life. And he's constantly shooting but he posts on Instagram like once every other week. So like to get bogged down and to to look at some of these people like, you know, shooting epic landscapes and they have 10,000, you know, likes per photo. And like that shouldn't be what Goal. people look at to be like, that's that person's made it in this freelance yeah. life. Like and that is super important not and, to fall in that trap. And not to, and to make sure you're not subconsciously thinking that's the bar for being successful is I have to have X number of followers. Yeah, I have right. to have X amount exactly. of engagement. Like that is by I no means I would argue that it's almost the opposite because it really gives you free reign to even like walk down the street. If you live in a little community, go into the, the town and like walk around, go in there, like let someone that owns a barber shop, like let them yeah. know what you can do for them. Like it, they don't put pictures out on their website. They probably want to, they probably want good ones and they aren't going to find you unless you go in there and like let them know what you can do for them. Every single one of those small businesses All needs content. Yeah. They need content continually. And people do too. Yeah. And not just businesses, right. people and, do. Yeah, and these big numbers that people see on social media are not only distracting, they're discouraging for a lot of people. And I think that that is, I think that's about to change, right? I think from a from a sea change, I think creators are going to start gaining a lot more leverage in this world, right? As they start to realize their own power. You know, since technology has been leveraged against these creators for so long, now we're, we're entering this new era where, you know, they kind of wield the power. We just have to help them realize that power, yeah. right? And, and I think looking at it from a macro perspective too, this is going to sound super cliche, but it's like, hey, you know, 10 years ago, you went to Paris Fashion Week. It's the head designer from every single major, you know, designer label is who's sitting in the front row. You go to Paris Fashion Week this year, it's a lifestyle blogger. Right. Mm-hmm. It's literally bloggers and DIY YouTube makers that are lining the front rows. And yeah. the reason is because those are the people that have power now. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, this is a very macro example, but thinking of it on a more micro level, it's like the power and the influence is in the hands of individuals. It's not in the hands of brands anymore. Yeah. yeah. And you need to realize that about yeah. yourself. There's a reason that people follow you. There's a people that reason that people like your content, you know? Right. It's hard to feel that confidence as a creator because you're off you're alone a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You're editing alone, you're you're pitching alone, but you're doing work that that these brands view as like this untouchable yeah, thing, they right? They, they need it and they're like, they have oh no my idea gosh. how to make it. Right. And no you deliver, idea. there's nothing better than delivering, whether you're a graphic <laughs> designer or a photographer, delivering those that final work. Yeah. You know, and and they are viewing it as 
something that's just out of their realm of creativity and, and you're providing us a service. And, and that confidence comes with the self-awareness that you're valued and you're important. And it doesn't matter about social media. It doesn't matter about your following. It matters about the work you're putting out. Right. And uh, although too, like, you know, like we're saying it, it doesn't necessarily like make or break you depending on your amount of followers. But in that same vein, like how I was talking about earlier, like, yeah, although I know that I don't have a massive following, it's still very important to me to put out a lot of work on a consistent basis. Because even if I only have a hundred followers, like those 100 people, if they get to see your work and you get to put it out on a consistent basis, you will get hired eventually. And that will snowball on itself. That speaks to this added pressure that all freelancers face, which is the consistency to post, right? I'm not talking about to stay on top of the algorithms that run these social media sites because they do reward consistency. And we, right. we know that, but it's, yeah, there's this irony where if you're a photographer and you've made it, you know, you're like up in the upper echelon of, of photography or graphic design or illustrating, you're not a fat cat sitting at home in your mansion. You're on a shoot and you're on a plane yeah. every other day and you're producing more content than you have ever produced yeah. and, and honing your skills. Yeah. yeah. I think a cool testament to that is, you know, when we did the, the Burkhardt podcast episode, yeah, you know, we were riding sure. up there thinking there's a very, there's definitely a perception that you get from following his Instagram and, you know, seeing all this insane work that he does. And you might get that, you know, assumption that, oh, he's like this big fat cat. He's crushed it. He made it, you know, he's, he's chilling now. He goes and he, he does shoots when he feels like right. he's got some cool clients. It's like, <laughs> no, like this dude works in absolutely inhuman number of hours yeah. show up for the podcast like, every half an hour he, he came late because he's coming from something you know we get yeah. our time for the podcast and then the moment we're walking out the door there's somebody else come that was waiting on him for an interview and then after that interview he had to pack because he was going to be gone in new york and then in norway for like 25 days and it's like <laughs> this dude is going a million miles a second yeah. it's crazy and what it is too is like if you want to dedicate yourself to it you have to be all in. Yeah, you, you really to, do. You like I was, I was teetering for a bit. Like I didn't do the rip the bandaid off, jump into freelance. Like I was working for, I was working for a Fortune 200 company. You know what I mean? I was putting out content weekly for them, and then I finally started to get a few referrals and a couple things on the side. And then it took me a good six months of having you know part time freelance work and having a full time regular gig to finally just make that jump. That's fascinating. I, you know, I. Feel like we have that conversation with a bunch of our artists, which yeah. is, hey, I have a nine to five, and I book, you know, myself from six to seven if I can on weekdays, and then the weekends I'm I'm working it through because it's networking and it's all about those relationships. Yeah, and those people are going to refer you to other clients. Yeah, if you want to go full time as a freelancer, it's going to suck for a little bit. It's, it's going to suck for a little bit, but then it's going to be, and you have to realize that that. Is reality level, in that level yeah. of operating oh. and, and how crazy and chaotic it is and people canceling and that is a staple. But embrace the suck. You know? Exactly. What's cool exactly. about the suck? Yeah. This, is, this, is, <laughs> this is getting weird. Uh, what's cool about that, which I actually right now I appreciate it and I want to get back to this point, is when you're not getting a ton of work in the beginning or when you feel like you want to get more work. All that other time, you got to put into your personal projects because sure. it's going to reach a time where 
you sit back and you realize you just spent two weeks shooting other people's things, which is great. And that's how, you know, the money comes in and that's a way to stay creative and that's just everything. But then at the end of the day, you're like, shit, but I really want to get to this personal project. Mm. You keep putting it off and putting it off. And those personal projects, I feel like no matter what are the most fun. So make sure that, that in that beginning, even if that's the very beginning of your freelance life, I feel like it's important to put those as a priority until it gets to the point where you kind of have to put that to the side a little bit, but like do personal projects, do what you love. And out of that will come work because people will see those projects and that is obviously what you want to shoot. And I think speaking to that as well is, is an overlying theme is always consistently and almost relentlessly be refining your skills and investing in yourself. Because if you're doing if you're doing commercial work, you're investing in yourself. Yeah, obviously for sure. And when you when you don't have those gigs, you need to continue to invest in yourself and continue to grow as yeah. an artist. And this is something that we talk about all the time. Because like, hey, like early on in darkroom, like there was not much going on. Right. We had <laughs> we had days where we're sitting around twiddling our thumbs, being like, all right, like what do we do? Like, yeah. I've, already, I've already emailed like hundred people. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Our, our, our DMs on Instagram are locked because we oh, sent yeah. too many messages. Like, what are we doing? And it's just figuring out ways to continually be investing in yourself. Like, how can I become a market expert? What, what more can I learn about this industry? How, what more can I learn about what artists need right now? Yeah. Uh, and do things that are investing in myself and the products that I'm working on because yeah, like you're saying, consistency is just so insanely key because there's going to be days where it's like, you don't really see the final product. You don't see the reward. Right. But if you don't string string together those five days, ten days, hundred days together, there will never be a reward because you stopped working on it. You know. Yeah. What I also I think is important too is how every every creative and everyone just in general that's getting in any type like any type of creative field, whether it's starting a business or going out on your own, is these sources of inspiration, right? And I feel like it's it's important because it kind of like can build up that person or that business in a specific way and like how they operate. Like for me, you know, there was a time where for like a year, it was just Gary Vaynerchuk. It was just Gary V, you know, but coming from like a, a creative standpoint, yeah. it's kind of like, it's not like it was all photography blogs and, and video vlogs and, or just anything like that. Like I was trying to pull inspiration from different places and that kind of crafted like, you know, the business side of things for me when it came to freelance and like how my head was operating and like for you guys, like how, how did you guys first, you know, kind of pull inspiration for, for darkroom or just see where you wanted to take it? Yeah, I think we had a lot of different, a lot of varying sources of inspiration. There's obviously a lot of photographers that were amped on that we think are super cool. You know, first time I got a, I got a print was, I think I started following. I think Chris Burkhardt, Burkhardt was the first like legitimate like full time photographer that I followed that I started following on Instagram like six years ago, seven years ago. I was like yeah. summer going into my freshman year of college, and first time I ever got a print from someone was Chris Burkhardt because he did some print giveaway because. I mean, I'm a broke college student. I yeah. can't buy yeah, yeah. Chris Burkhardt print, right? Yeah. And he did some some uh, print giveaway. And he like, won it. My sophomore year of college, and all, all I had to do was pay for shipping. He oh, was celebrating it. like, you know, 250K on Instagram or something no like that. No way. Uh, and I remember getting it and being like, yo, this is the most epic thing. This guy's just selling his work on his personal website. Yeah, yeah, wild. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think so there's, there's those inspirations for sure. But then, you know, we look at there's all these epic companies too. Uh, you know, we see like a brand like Peak Design who is – Epic. We're huge Peak Design fans. You know, we use the capture clip. We, you know, we use the leashes, like everything. Uh, and like those those companies that build products that are just so perfectly catered to creators, like that's super inspirational. You see platforms like Format who are building sites specifically for uh, building out your portfolio as a photographer, right. as a designer. Like yeah. that is super inspirational. And then even you know, being from from Boston College, seeing someone like Bijan Sabet, who you know 
also a BC grad and being like, yo, like, whoa, we can do this stuff too. Like he went, you know, basically a co-founder of Tumblr, first investor in Twitter, like this guy that is making waves in the creative space. Yeah. And it's super inspirational to see people around us. And then obviously people we see online doing stuff like this. Yeah. I think there's this, (laughs) there's this pull and drag for so many companies to say, Hey, you know, we are creator first or artist first. We Mm -hmm. are made by creators for creators. Yeah. (laughs) I see the line so much. And I, I think it's so funny because there's so few companies that are actually doing it properly, yeah, right? Sure. You have the Patreons of the world, right? You you yeah. type in supporting creators, Patreons of first result, right? As, I mean, as they should be. As they should be. They yeah. coined, coined that space and, and everyone kind of scoffed at them in the beginning, right? They've raised over $100 million now or bringing in massive amounts of revenue. And they only take 5%. And they only take 5% and obviously they lose pricing power as a result. But I think that's kind of this... Like we talked about before, it's this future model of uh-huh. the creative space, which from us and our style is a super sexy and attractive business model. And then when you ask the Silicon Valley, you know, kind of Goliaths, that's that's the worst for them, right? They yeah. want to raise a ton of money and scale and make as much money as they can in, in different areas and avenues. And that mentality within the creative industry doesn't really work and it might work for a short amount of time but your creators are going to call you out and there might just be another platform that comes up so for example facebook right launched a patreon competitor in some way basically you can try to like uh subscribe to someone on on facebook and Mm -hmm. obviously they they are really talented at copycatting yeah and they they I think originally launched out that they were going to take an absorbent amount of the percent of oh. revenue that was coming in, and everyone was like, "Why would I leave Patreon for that?" Yeah, right. And and those people are massive sources of inspiration. Where we divide in between, like Theo was saying, these individuals and these companies, and and we view these individuals like the Casey Knight says of the world as their own startup. I mean, all these creators, oh, sure. they're their own, they're yeah. their own entrepreneurs. They're the yeah. best entrepreneurs. The right. ones 100%. Every, every creator is every creator is Absolutely. an entrepreneur. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a it's it's you are a brand. Yeah, you know, like if yeah. you and if you start looking at yourself as a brand too, it yeah. kind of makes a lot of those things make sense as well. Yeah, Especially, confidence too. Yeah, hundred percent. And like with with the podcast, also, you know, when we first sat down at a coffee shop not too far from here, mm. actually, and I like walked up, I'm like, hey, I'm one of your creators. Uh, <laughs> can you guys sell more prints for me? No, that's not the conversation. The conversation was. Well, actually, in the beginning, we didn't know, you know, it was just like getting to know you guys or like we were getting to know each other. And then we kind of just talked about like, man, like, wouldn't it be really cool to to hear the stories behind these creators, these Chris Burkhards of the world, uh, these, you know, Chris Poplowski's, these different people that we've had on. And I don't understand how we've had these insane people on, which is so cool. But like, we wanted to hear their stories because it's so important and we understand how influential it can be because it was for us. 100%. And we were also coming from a place where it's like, yo, we talked to every person that makes a darkroom account. And it's like, yo, we're hearing crazy stuff on the phone. And we're like, the, the stories that people will share with us uh, just over the phone on DMs and stuff. And when we're talking to them, you know, about their workflow, how, how they got to the point that they're at, and we're thinking, this is so insanely one, inspirational for us, two, just valuable information for us in general. Right. Three, how do we get other people on Darkroom to be able to hear this information? Because, right. like, it's, it almost felt wrong that we're the only ones that got to benefit from, from these conversations, you know? Right. The, the creative industry thrives from that type of information and knowledge sharing, right? I mean, thus the rise of 
massive companies like Skillshare. And, and that's a super, we love podcasts. We were upset. I think my, you know how you get those push notifications on your phone? Like, yeah. oh, your screen time is four hours this week. Mine was yeah. like, oh, you've listened to like three days of podcasts in the last seven <laughs> days. And I, I think we really resonated. That's not with, a joke either. Yeah. That's, he's very serious. <laughs> we, we really resonated with the podcast that got to the heart. You know, I think the How I Built This with Guy Raz and, and those ones are, are the classic like, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial startups. Yeah. But there wasn't an equivalent of the creative space that really dove into their their methodology and and this industry that thrives off this skill sharing. And I think almost to a point where it's gone too far, right? Yeah. Where people are kind of selling out the things that make them unique, which is kind of a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But you know, you operate in this in this very interesting space where you want to stand out amongst the crowd, also be consistently learning, and then also sharing that knowledge. Yeah. And so it's a it's a weird divide between being kind of competitive, but also trying to learn from everyone and grow collectively because together as a creative, as a you know, as a group of creatives in a community, we're stronger when we all share that information sure. yeah. and can grow with those skills together. It's a constant feed of inspiration that builds up the entire community. Yeah. Even if you don't think about it, or yeah. think about it that way. You're like you scrolling on Instagram and seeing these photos, you're like those are in front of you, and you're seeing what is at least out there as well. And that is going to change and and gear a lot of people's mindsets about for one where the industry's at, for two where they want to take it on their own, the style that they want to craft for themselves. It kind of it it. it it all feeds off each yeah, other. The, the collective success of the creator class gives every creator more power. Yeah. Which yeah. is exactly what we all want. Right? Yeah. You know, that's, for that's sure. the goal. That's the point. And it can feel competitive. I mean, it, for I, sure. I, I for sure. Something I'd love for, for people to take away is reach out to someone that that's maybe not someone who's like your idol, but someone who you just know is crushing it. Right. And just, have a conversation with them in the same way that we have this podcast to have these conversations, have those conversations yourself. Like they, they will be surprisingly excited that you're excited about their work. It's fun to get that recognition. It's not about the accolades. It's about another artist saying, Hey, I really like your work. I would love to know how you pitch these clients, how you think about how to creatively make this work for their brand or whatever it might be. And you're going to grow massively from having those conversations because we've grown massively and have been able to adapt our product, adapt the podcast, and even our, ourselves with personal yeah. growth. Yeah. It's it's a lot easier to get someone on the phone than you think. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Lo- it's a lot easier <laughs> than you would think. Yo, look up. You think there's a studio that's super epic? They probably got a phone number on their website. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, maybe they won't pick up. Maybe an assistant will pick up. But yeah. the bottom line is you'll figure out a way to, one, you'll probably learn from, some from the assistant regardless. But two, you'll, you'll line up a time. Oh, like I'm going to be in the same city or you're in the same city. You can yeah, line yeah. up coffee. Like it's really and not that hard. You just got to put yourself out it's there. It's such good advice. And maybe, and maybe you get rejected and, and that's for also sure. a great yeah, lesson. For sure. You know, maybe they're like, oh, yeah. you know, they dodge you. Like you're some ex and you're like, you know, that that's <laughs> what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I am a good example of that. Like I totally understand that because for, you know, like, okay, I've been freelance for a year, but I've been shooting. I've, I've had a camera in my hand for 12 years. So those first 10 or 11 years, you know what I wasn't doing? I wasn't reaching out to people. I mm. wasn't trying to engage that much. Um, I was kind of just hunkered down and like, yeah, I shot, but I didn't really, you know, surround everything and, and everyone that I was talking to with something that could help scale that, you know, for me, that business for me. And once I started to do that in the last year, 
that's when it totally made sense to me that, oh, like you need to be vocal about it. Like if you want to shoot, you need to shoot a lot and you need to show people your work and, and you need to reach out to people. And like with you guys, like I reached out to you guys and we have a podcast because of it, you know, right. things like that. Like that would never happen if I closed the phone, didn't, didn't, you know, reach out and say, Hey, right. I, I think yeah. we might be breaking the rules here, but I think we have a question for you too, which is, and this is broadly, how do we, I think the major thing that we've just kind of come up with is growing collectively as a creative community, yeah, right? And 100%. what does that look like going into the future, right? How do we make that easier for creators to grow collectively? And where does that go? How do we, as a group and as a community of artists, get the power back into our hands or allow the average creator to feel like they have that power and that confidence? I feel like platform aside, I feel like you have to take all these platforms with a grain of salt. And I really, truly think that you have to start looking at what you do as whatever type of creative you are, as something that doesn't exist in the social space. And if you can make it sustained there, if you can you know, book work, um, not based off Instagram, but based off of these real interactions that you might have in person, or if you can go out and seek these places without needing to use these connections that are, are just made from these, these giant communities like Instagram and Facebook, I feel like in order to, to really grow as a foundation, you need to perfect and sharpen your tools outside of them. So then when you go in them, you can really have a grasp of where you want your brand or your business or your personal brand to go in the future. And you can use all of these different platforms as just tools to help you get there, not as the main. It's not your livelihood. Exactly. Yeah. You know, one your day, value doesn't reside in one hundred percent. And that way too, like if you wanna you wanna sprinkle in everything, like I'm a big advocate of like, you know, use as many platforms as you can given the time that you have, even with like a podcast. Like we have a podcast now and like we still are on Instagram. We're still on Facebook. We're still doing all that because those are just vessels to get us to where we want to go. Right. Even if nobody heard the podcast, it would still be insanely valuable for mm. all of us. Yeah. The conversations would be insanely valuable. And I think as it pertains to like collective growth, it's like, yo, go shoot with someone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. collaborate with people. Like it doesn't matter who it is. You know, maybe, maybe neither of you have ever done any brand work. You have no idea what you're doing, but the bottom line is, Two's better than one. You're going to learn from each other. You're going to figure it out together, you know? Yeah. And it's figuring out ways to collaborate and have those conversations. It doesn't have to be sitting down and grabbing coffee with somebody who, you know, has Nike as one of their clients. You know what I mean? Right. It can be two or three other people that are, you know, all of you are in college or you're all in high school and you're like, all right, like, how are we going to figure this out? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, it'll be a continual, you know, I think it's a spectrum. I think there's going to be more and more companies that are going to be popping up that are actually creator first, built by creators, and that will continue to grow and build tools for this evolving and weird conundrum of content creation. I mean, the future of content creation is such a vague term, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know in five to 10 years from now whether or not people are gonna be running around with augmented reality headsets and what that content ingestion looks like for the average brand, but we know that the content creator themselves is going to be super important. It's a moving target. And to actually build tools for those creators in a way that's advantageous for them above all else, above profits, is going to be a common thread, at least in my opinion. And, and it's only going to be those companies that stick around in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I right. think the ones that will be the most powerful are the ones that facilitate positive 
and constructive conversation and connection yep. within the creators on the platform because that's how you grow, mm-hmm. you know? And if they can make it easier for for people to go freelance, which it's already happening, you know, if these tools that, that can come to us are just easier to to use for every aspect of our passive income and of our lifestyle and of even for like scheduling and even just like, you know, getting help sometimes when you need an assistant or just like having all these tools available will really help scale the creative world yeah. and and just make it simple yeah. to, you know, get started. I, I think one one more point is, you know, we face a, especially from the technology side, right? There's going to be mass automation in the next five to 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking like millions and millions of workers and, and people who in the transportation space and telecommunication that are going to be out of work. And I think the creative industry is one that you can horizontally jump into and one that's going to become more and more important. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be more people coming into the space and, and get used to that, that saturation. And and begin to share that knowledge and don't, you know, don't take it as if, you know, if you know something about the space and you have a bunch of friends who are freelancers, like yeah. share that knowledge. I, I think the creative community collectively will grow if you yourself as an artist are very open to the skills that you've developed. And it's a, it's a brave new world. It, yeah. It, and yeah. I don't think that should be discouraging either that there's a lot more people that are jumping into the, to the creative space because at the same time, it's like, we've talked to so many people on this podcast who, you know, like people that are at, you know, big ad agencies or have a lot of experience in the ad world, like Jason Peterson, for example, it's like, Hey, like content creation is going nowhere. Like the the amount, the volume of content that brands need is exponentially growing every Mm -hmm. single year. You think there's a lot of people joining the creative in- the industry? You think it's a lot of competition? Think about how there much more so work there is. There are many businesses and brands that are just now realizing. We've realized it for years, but there are so many small businesses and gigantic businesses realizing today that they need content and they need good content and they need a constant flow of it. So all these creatives coming in the space, because it's easier for us to just get a camera or get whatever and come in, there is twice as many brands and businesses that need us to do stuff for them. 100%. You just have to find yeah. them, but there are so many there. This is the golden age of that happening. 100%. Right just because they didn't reach out to you doesn't mean that they don't need it. And, and they may not know they need it, or maybe they're not, they don't have someone that's in their company that can identify it. And that gets to that pitch point, right? Yeah. And once Go I figure choose. out what a pitch yeah. deck is, yeah. I'll be able to understand, <laughs> like, yeah, send them a pitch deck. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, take, maybe write down, if you're a freelancer, write down the five to 10 brands Maybe that aren't like the top brands, like a, a Nike size, but ones that are a bit smaller that you love, yeah. that you absolutely love. And then think of something new that they might want to do or something that you would like to have from their platform or their product and create the pitch off that. Create the pitch off. It's almost like you're pitching their product team yeah. to come up with something new. For sure. Because you're a, you're an advent user of whatever their product or company is yeah. and you want to then create content for it. Yeah. I mean, that's well, and, and build your build your portfolio run. around that too. Right. If you have time to 100%. shoot personal projects, you know you want to shoot shoes. Go out, shoot ten different pairs over the course of a month. Put together a website that looks like that's what you shoot. If you want to reach out to every shoe brand that you like, I guarantee you. Even if it's just hey, we'll send you some gear for free and you can shoot it, you will get clients that want to work with you based off your portfolio for sure. And I think to to pigtail off that, it's like. You need to realize that from the other side of, of the coin, the brand lo- looking out at creatives, they're like, hey, you know, the c- type of content they want is from their core users of their product. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> so a, a hiking boot company doesn't want to go and find somebody that shoots street in New York to shoot their new brand. You know right. what I mean? If you live the lifestyle and you love that product, you are literally the perfect person to shoot that campaign yeah. specifically because 
they want the content to come from somebody who is somebody that's actually passionate about their product because that's how you're gonna get the most authentic content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm jumping back a little bit. So okay. I, I, I don't change, but I add on to my answer of scaling in the next five to ten years. And I think that what, based off of this, is is very obvious and apparent is how easy it is to shape the the way that people see your brand or your portfolio or anything online, right? So we are living in this era where you can completely craft whatever you want for yourself to be, you know, what you shoot, your portfolio, what you do with video. Like we have the tools to 100% in the course of a week, if you really want to grind on it, you can make your website be anything you want. You can yeah. make your freelance life start anywhere and the tools are only going to help us. Right. And and choose, you know, don't sell yourself short at yeah. any at any point. You want to shoot backstage on Netflix documentaries, you know, start start doing that, right? Yeah. Start pitching people on that concept. It's kind of like what you've been doing, right? You love Chef's Table, right? I think you brought it up oh, on the podcast two or three times. So good. And now you're shooting behind the scenes on Netflix shows. How cool is that? Right? You you yeah. wished that reality into existence. Yeah. And, and that's, you know exactly from that, hey, I'm poisoning myself as someone who enjoys his content and is all about this world, and I'd love to jump into it head first. Well, because I can, no matter what, like in this Netflix thing I just shot, like I can bring my style into it. Right. So at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, well, like I don't think I'm geared to shoot that. You can shoot anything you want. It doesn't matter because you're bringing you. You know what I mean? Like I choose not to shoot weddings. I understand that like that's a personal choice. It's like one of the only things I want to shoot. But if I did shoot a wedding... I would 100% just bring my style into it. It has nothing to do with like not feeling comfortable enough for yeah, it. You're just looking out for your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just scared of that. You know, that's a whole different conversation. But like with the Netflix thing, like I was uncomfortable. Like that was scary. You know what I mean? But I was pumped to do it. And then, you know, like that can lead on to who knows what after. What do we say to those discouraged in the space? I, I feel as though there's a lot of people that we have conversations with who are, they're very positive people. But yeah. they've been kind of worn down from this saturation and content, from this feeling that, you know, they're one of so many that can create the actual type of content. Like, what if they don't know? What if they don't know that, oh, I want to shoot behind the stage? Because it's kind of like us starting this company. You know, if you said, yeah, we're, are we passionate about arts and photography? Yeah, of course. But is that, you know, something that I want to dedicate the next three to 10 years of my life? I don't know. Yeah. You know, what do we say to those people? Oh, I say get used to that feeling because yeah, you yeah. feel it for a long <laughs> No, um, dude, this is like, I mean, I struggle with this and I've mm. been struggling with it for a long time. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like I'm always saying like twice a year, especially January 1st, I'm like, what am I doing? Right. And I say just like, I'm like, what am I doing? But what I'm realizing now is you kind of got to embrace that feeling. Because if we knew 100% where we wanted to go, what we wanted to do, for one, to me, that wouldn't be fun. Because part of this whole fun is like not knowing what I'm going to do next month, not knowing what I'm going to shoot next week, not knowing how these edits are going to turn out, but I get to craft them how I want. And I think that looking at life like that, to embrace it is way better than saying, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I'd like the you know uncomfortability of like mm. the, what's going on. If you don't want that, then you can get a job and like do that whole thing. Like, and you know, you can, you can do a nine to five because that's the comfort. But if you want to break out of that and if you want to do this, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but changing your mindset is what's going to help you 
go through and like For feel sure. level headed. And I does think, that answer the question yeah, at all? Yeah, and not I, really. Well, and just just go to pay, to to go on top of that as well, it's like you know we get discouraged all the time. Like that's yeah, that's life. It's a mm. roller coaster. It's just you know happens. what I mean. And but I think something that is interesting and this little you know thought process or you know exercise that we'll do. It's like yo, Dane, if twelve months ago. I said, here's the, you know, X, Y, Z shoots that you're going to do in February of 2019. Would you have been bummed? No. You would have been amped probably. Stoked. It'd be, yo, yeah. you got a podcast. You got these shoots that you're doing. You're working <clears throat> with these clients. You'd have been amped. Yeah, for sure. And then that's not to say that while it's happening, there isn't moments that are, that can be discouraging or you're bummed about something, but it's also, you know, is always greener yeah. i would say real quick though like like it like be bummed because that will drive you yeah, to, sure. to yeah, not sure. be right like yeah. it's okay to feel like that 100 percent right. okay yeah. right and I, I think being critical there's a divide between being critical of your work and wanting to evolve and then this type of self-loathing and comparative you know nature Exa- where no, that true. drains that on so the true. mental health yes. right i mean talking about the mental health of a freelancer it's not always very. It, the last thing it is is stable, right? It's mercurial at its at its base and at its mm-hmm. core. But that doesn't have to mean that being your best critic means that you are being mean to yourself, right? And not taking care of yourself. It's a motivator. Yes, no doubt. One hundred percent. No doubt about it. For motivation. Yeah, but but also realize like, you know, three months ago, six months ago, twelve months ago, that that version of yourself would have likely have been very excited with yeah. what you're doing now. And you, I get you want to be critical of yourself to evolve, but also take a step back. And, you just and, have to look back at your right, work. Yeah, you look that, back at Darkroom 1.0. Look yeah. back at your oh, portfolio God. two <laughs> no, years ago. Burn that. Look back at the first video you did for a client two yeah. years ago. I right. promise yeah. you will see progression. Yeah. And yeah. that is, it. that's everything. Yeah, you have that to embrace everything. the journey. And that's I think, it. And I think a, a funny parallel is like, you know, you get discouraged by seeing these crazy creators on, you know, Instagram that are yeah. crushing and have all this engagement or doing this crazy work. And it's like, you know, imagine if, if us looking at Darkroom and we started to compare ourselves to like Patreon, who did 300 million last year. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't show up to work tomorrow. That's for yeah. sure. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's everyone, there's a different pace for everyone. You're at, everybody's at a different stage in their journey and it's just about being consistent and just putting your head down and yeah. working hard, Im- you know? Imagine... Imagine a world in which you never picked up that camera or that brush or, you know, the mouse to, as a graphic designer, or the stylist, and you were living some other reality where that creative part of your life isn't even there. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's a different version of you, right? And, and you would be, you are so much more whole from operating in that creative space. Yeah. And it's hard to be self-aware and be happy about it because you always want to be growing and improving. But take that moment. I mean, yeah. I mean, we are all operating in this beautiful and changing creative industry that's so fun to be a part of. And right. so it's so brand new and it's on the cutting edge of everything, right? There's no boundaries because every industry is evolving. Every industry that needs content and, and creators are going to be on the forefront and debatably driving that growth, whether you're starting your own company or you're making your own content. Like these are all creators and, and it is a whirlwind when it comes to mental health and, and being reflective and yeah. taking your ego out of that. But it, but something I, I think a lot of creators need to do is just just you know appreciate the work and their progression. One hundred percent. I think there's an, an inevitable um, kind of problem that arises when you've made your passion also what your livelihood depends Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's it it can get a little bit murky. It can get you know there's a gray area where this is what I love, but I also need to do X Y Z things to pay my rent next month. Yeah. Uh, and. I think you always got to remember like why you're doing it. You're doing it because this is something you're really passionate about. And like, 
you know, taking those photos, making those videos, like creating those designs is yeah. what brings you happiness as a person. Like you're a creator because the you burn- love it. The burnout is real though. No, no, oh, it is yeah. real. And, oh, yeah. and I think, and, and I think that's kind of sure. what I'm trying to touch on is like, yo, like this is something you really love. It's like taking care of yourself. Even like you, what you were yeah. talking about, like do your personal projects. Like, yes, For burnout sure. is very real. Yeah. Um, and it's also just, you know, coming back to like the reason why you're doing this. Yeah. And, you know, it's because it's something that originally yeah. made you super and, happy. And being isolated is a fast track to being, you know, to, to not checking your mental health, mm-hmm. right? And having, you know, I think this all comes full circle with the whole conversation we had of talking to other creators and getting more involved. Every time you talk to someone else, it's going to bring you out of that rut, sure. you know, and, and be For honest sure. with people. I mean, part of those questions, if you're really struggling as a freelancer, that should be one of the first things you talk about with the other freelancers. Yeah. It's, I'm not feeling great about my progression, my personal growth, what I've been making. I feel like the content I'm doing is is great for those brands, but it's not helping me grow. And just have that on our conversation because the first step is really talking about it. Yeah, and sure. I think you'll be surprised. That creator will go, me too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yo, me too. The uh, likelihood that you burn out rises exponentially. It skyrockets if you keep it internal. Yeah. yeah. Agree more. I'm trying to figure out ways to to schedule around it yeah. because I've hit a point where, where it's becoming a, right. a lot more. Right. Um, and what I find is I'm taking more time in my mornings. I'm trying to have a more scheduled morning. If I can work out or go on a run, that's great. Hmm. Um, and I'm really trying to schedule my weeks more so than just my days, if that makes sense. So now I'm really trying to look at it and be like, okay, like I'm only going to give myself three shoots a week because I know for a fact I got to edit those things the week after or by the week after. So if I'm just lined up with shoots Monday through Friday, I'm not going to have time to edit because the whole next week I'm going to be shooting as well. So like finding a good balance, like this is a total side note, but it's something that I'm in the thick of now, like finding a good, like maybe you edit for two hours in the morning and then you for sure can shoot between one and four at the end of that day and kind of let that cycle continue. Right. But like I would schedule out, you know, these chunks, you know, I, I like to do it weekly if I can, but, but daily too, like don't, don't edit for 12 hours because by that eighth hour, sixth hour, seventh hour, right. you know, like and your the, eyes don't want to handle that yeah, anymore. There's, there's you know what I mean? There's serious diminishing returns there. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. imagine too, I, I think a lot of people listening to this show are people that haven't even gotten to the level of full-time creator, right? There are yeah, true. full-time, part-time creator yeah. right they have their job whatever it might be they're maybe a parent you know they have these well, other so they're, parts they're almost life. working double time right yeah. because at yeah. least double yeah. time i mean you're a parent triple time right you have no personal time and so viewing the way that i mean to try to actually bake that cr- content creation into a full work schedule and life schedule if it's not your full-time gig is so difficult yeah so difficult yeah uh and i mean hats off to those creators i mean those those are the people that are trying to get by, but also grow creatively in this world that is so unequal, right? I mean, our income inequality and wealth inequality in the in this country is abhorrent, right? The diversity within the photography and, and graphic design community needs to be much better. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is giving people more opportunity to thrive on, on this creative level. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like in the next year, especially in the next three years, like we are in such a really cool time of personal branding and and you can really make a business out of what you do creatively. And I feel like this time more than anything, any time is the, is the best to jump into it. So it's like, you're, if you're just starting out today, like you, this is the best time you could have picked because there are so many tools available. There's so much out there for inspiration and there's so many clients. I promise you just have to reach out mm. And if you're really passionate about what you do and you care, they're going to know. And if that shows in your work, then even better. Yeah. 
and then you know hey, it's all you however wanna, you want to make it. I mean, just I think one closing thing for us, it's like if you want to have that first conversation with another creator or people in the space, DM us. We'll, let's get on the phone. Up. Let's talk sure. about it. We're, yeah. We we get fired up about it. We learn a ton. I I think for people starting their own companies. They're lying to themselves when they say they can't talk to their users or they're too busy or they're too they're scaling too much. We view it as the most important thing we can do. And if we, if if nothing else, you should be talking to the people right. that are using your product. Right. We should be paying if you else. to talk to us. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, straight up. And so you know, even if you're not a dark member, whatever it might be, and you're just a listener, like shoot us a DM, you know, and and yeah. shoot us an email. It's Anders at darkroom.tech or Theo at darkroom.tech. What's my email at darkroom.tech? Oh, do I have one oh. yet? I guess I don't. Okay. That's uh, that's yeah. A, yeah that's it's conversation five dollars more time. on um, Gmail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I see what you guys say. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. 100%. And and like you were saying earlier, even with people, right? Like, reach out to someone that you like. Tell them that you like their stuff. Yeah. You know, see where that conversation goes. Yeah. Because you never know. Yeah. Maybe you'll have a breakfast or coffee with the dudes and make a podcast yeah. out of it. Six that no one later. will listen to. And then, is anyone still listening to this? <laughs> yeah. Are you guys still here? Uh, yeah. Cool. cool. Awesome. Awesome. So, Prince. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to uh, jump on Dark Room. Yeah. They're there. It's growing. I mean, I think we'll we'll be adding some some super exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, in the next yeah. yeah. Two thousand nineteen is like few the year for you guys. Yeah, yeah, we'll have a lot of a lot of really big product updates this year that we're we're pretty jazzed on. That are all you know very community centric based on a lot of feedback we've been getting. Um, so pretty yeah. much yeah. every every single month you're going to be seeing some fun new stuff from us. Right, and if you want something new, you know, let us know. Yeah. That's perfect. See, I'm not even going to make an outro for this because there'd be no point. Why would I jump in here and be like, who's oh, had a super good time talking to Honors and Theo from Darkroom? Like, what? Yeah. No. So this is the, uh, we'll, we'll end it here then. Yeah. And then, uh, and well, then, thank, yeah. I mean, thanks, thanks for, for being the host, Dane. I mean, yeah. this has been it's crazy. six months of you just doing this. Six for people that don't months. know, Dane records these episodes, whether he's in his car or whatever it might be. Okay, you guys, it was then, the car one yeah, okay. time. <laughs> that was the once. funny story. But car he's, once. He's not getting paid. We're not bringing any money from this. And this man edits for hours on end to yeah. make sure the audio is he's great. A, he's an incredibly talented audio engineer, for, right. for those that don't know. Yeah, yeah. I went so to school we're for that. We're, we're very lucky. Thank yeah. you for being the host. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. It's, he's, uh, he's, he's tearing up over here for everyone who's Yeah. Who's <laughs> hey, but you know what, you know what though? This is more fun than mixing Star Wars trailers like I was doing a few years ago. Well, no, I'm kidding. It's not. It's definitely not. Uh, no, I love you guys. And I love oh, this podcast. And oh, I love man. you people, love too, you, that are all out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay, cool. Well, awesome. thank you guys. That was great. Yeah. And uh, all right, cool. Well, we will see you guys. That's it. Next week. Next yes. week. Hey. I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs>